I'm Joel Parker. And I'm Shelley Schlender. This is How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. Today is Tuesday, July 10th, 2018. Coming up, for our Pledge Drive special, we have an interview with Michael Pollan about his new book that discusses the medical uses of psychedelic drugs. We also have an interview with Boulder psychiatrist Will Vanderveer on this topic and an upcoming conference about protocols in integrative psychiatry. Today we have a special treat for you. Another look at Michael Pollan's New York Times number one bestseller. Pollan's book is How to Change Your Mind, What the New Science of Psychedelics Teaches Us About Consciousness, Dying, Addiction, Depression, and Transcendence. The New York Times calls Pollan's new book a brilliant and brave investigation into the medical and scientific revolution taking place around psychedelic drugs and the spellbinding story of his own life-changing psychedelic experiences. So we have a limited number of copies of this book available as a thank you gift for listeners who call 303 449 4885 pledge your support to KGNU or you can pledge if you prefer online at kgnu.org now here's a highlight from my interview with Pollen it's Michael Pollen's response after I point out to him that the drugs such as LSD and magic mushrooms that he's talking about well they are illegal yeah, there is that. Uh, although the drugs are being used in, you know, clinical trials that are perfectly legal with government permission at places like Johns Hopkins and NYU. But yes, there's also uh, legal activity that I describe in the book because at some point I realized I couldn't really do justice to the subject without having some experiences with these drugs. And I sought that underground since I couldn't get into the trials. But yeah, it is a departure in some ways. Um, I've been writing about food, but my larger interest as a writer, and the reason I got into food in the first place, is I'm fundamentally interested in our relationship with the natural world, the way nature changes us and we change nature. So I've looked at food as one of the key engagements that humanity has with the natural world. We change nature more through our eating than almost anything we do. Yes, you're talking now about LSD and magic mushrooms as psychedelics that change our outlooks. And they come from nature. I mean, LSD is a synthetic drug, although it's derived from a fungus, the ergot fungus. Psilocybin comes from a mushroom that's very common and grows, you know, all over North America and South America. Humans have been using plants and fungi to change consciousness for thousands and thousands of years. And I've always been interested in that phenomenon. Like, where does that desire come from? What does it do for us? And what does it do for the mushroom? So in that sense, there's some continuity in the work. And the other continuity is my prevailing interest in the last few books has been about health. You know, we have a diet that makes us very ill, and how might our diet help us deal with chronic disease and eliminate them? In the same sense, these psychedelics are now being used for health. They're being used in a therapeutic way to help people deal with anxiety and depression and addiction and the fear of death. Several of these drugs that many people think of as possibly making you crazy can actually make you more sane. Well, Michael Pollan, in your book, you burst through a number of misconceptions 
including the fact that psychedelics are not really addictive in the way that we think of addictive drugs or alcohol. No, they're not drugs of abuse in the traditional sense. People do not form habits. I think the experiences are just simply too intense. And your first thought after a big psychedelic experience is not, where can I get some more? It's like, do I ever have to do this again? And, you know, in the classic studies of rodents where they give them an option of administering more drugs to themselves with a lever or eating food, if the lever is delivering cocaine, they'll keep pressing it until they die. If you put LSD in that setup, they'll only do it once. They will never do it again. The drugs are not addictive, and they're also physiologically not very toxic. It's very hard to find a lethal dose of a classic psychedelic like LSD or psilocybin, whereas many of the drugs in your medicine cabinet, over-the-counter drugs, have a lethal dose. So they're not that hard on the body, but they can be hard on the mind, and people do get into psychological trouble. They have bad trips, and that can be some of the most terrifying experiences of your life if you're not with someone who can guide you or help you get through it. Well, Michael Pollan, um, you talk about that a great deal in your book, that there's a difference when you talk about the science of psychedelics. It's not the same as what we normally think of as science, where you take a pill or you do an experiment in a clean room with a bright fluorescent light. There's something called set and setting that the shamans seem to have known about forever when they were working with these. But we're not as comfortable saying it's scientific to put the right setting and protocols in to help somebody have, let's call it a good trip. Yeah, well, the power of reductive science, which is the prevailing mode of doing science in the West, is that you reduce everything to a single variable, the drug, say, and then you try to study what the drug does. And that usually means eliminating all other factors, such as the presence of a therapist, any kind of expectations, music, you know, all that kind of thing. But in fact, that's not a very good way to study psychedelics because they are unusually subject to the influence of set and setting. Set is basically your mindset, your expectations going into the experience, and setting is your physical environment, and that has a profound effect. So to use these drugs in a way that's therapeutic, they've discovered that it must be in a guided situation. And and you're right to stress the difference between that and what people probably think of when they think about people using psychedelics, which is taking a handful of mushrooms and going to a concert or getting an injection and sitting in a hospital room. Rather, there is at least one guide and often two. They are trained therapists. They prepare you for the experience in advance in, in a couple of sessions often, telling you what to do if you get into trouble, if you encounter anything frightening, you should surrender to it. You shouldn't fight it. If you feel yourself dissolving, go with it. If you think you're going crazy, if you think you're dying, just go with it. Surrender is very important to not having a bad trip. Part of the study of this is to figure out what kind of protocols in a scientific mindset might help to improve the experience for things like, well, you list many of them in your book where the therapy seems to be potentially very powerful, such as helping somebody overcome alcoholism. That's one that you talk about quite a bit. And another one is overcoming depression. Yep. And the drugs have proven effective in a guided situation where someone is with you the whole time, prepares you carefully, and then helps you integrate what you experienced and make sense of it and apply it to your life. How effective is it 
You gave some statistics about people who've gone through these programs and clinical studies. What percentage of people get past alcoholism for some time period? Alcoholism, we found that it reduced dependence on alcohol. These are, I mean, these are studies that were done in the 50s and 60s, that it reduced alcohol dependence for a sustained period of time, for up to six months. There is more recent study of smoking cessation. Very small pilot study, and everybody knew they were getting psilocybin. That's the mushroom, uh, 60, right? That's the magic that's mushroom. The, yeah, that's right. That's the, the chemical in the magic mushroom. 67% of the people who participated in the study to quit smoking were still abstinent a year later. Now, that is dramatically better than the best treatment we now have. So, so that's better uh, than a nicotine patch? Yes, by far. Only about 20% of people managed to go a year on the other treatments we have. So, well, you heard it here. If you're trying to stop smoking, psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy is much more effective than a nicotine patch. We're talking with Michael Pollan, author of How to Change Your Mind, What the New Science of Psychedelics Teaches Us About Consciousness, Dying Addiction, Depression, and Transcendence. If you like what you're hearing, you can show your support to KGNU by calling 303-449-4885 or online at kgnu.org. And by the way, that book is one of the pledge offerings that we have when you call and pledge your support. Books like How to Change Your Mind are starting to alter the state of awareness about modalities that are outside the conventional box of standard medical treatments for mental health problems. And there are other ways this wave of new awareness is heading into our communities. Those changes include an upcoming conference for health professionals led by Boulder psychiatrist Will Vandeveer, who leads the Integrative Psychiatry Institute. They'll hold a professional conference this October 19th through the 21st at the Boulder Marriott. Their goal is to educate more health practitioners about how body imbalances, such as gut challenges and mold infections, along with undiagnosed trauma, often underlie much of what leads people to seek psychiatric help. One of the modalities that will be discussed in this professional conference is psychedelics. Here's my interview with Will Vanderveer. We're really excited about this new conference in October. We have some of the top minds in the state who are leading a new movement in psychiatry to broaden the scope of looking for root causes and actually resolving some of the underlying issues that lead to psychiatric suffering. Why are you bringing in these unconventional, not standard of care modalities? Well, I'm sad to say that in psychiatry, there are very few new developments in psychiatry. For example, Worldwide, we have 300 million people depressed, and about 100 million of those people are not getting responses to the currently available treatments. So we have a huge problem with what we call treatment resistance. I like to call treatment resistance provider ignorance because there's a lot of root causes that people are not aware of that when they're accurately recognized and treated can actually resolve the root causes of these problems. Well, Vandeveer, some of the root causes that you are implying in your conference are gut dysbiosis, meaning a leaky gut caused by either food or stress or the wrong microbes, also funguses and molds for everything from depression to dementia. 
That's correct. Uh, there are so many different factors that can produce psychiatric symptoms, anxiety, depression, insomnia, even mood swings, bipolar symptoms, psychosis. A lot of these symptoms can be traced back to actual root causes. And of course, we'd prefer to get to the root cause and resolve it than just medicate the symptom without knowing what's really going on. In your conference, you'll be talking about unconventional medicines, some that are on the Schedule One program for the federal government, meaning that they are illegal. That's correct. We have been fortunate enough to participate here in Boulder with the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies in a phase two clinical trial, which wrapped up a couple of years ago, studying post-traumatic stress disorder using a new technique, psychotherapy assisted by MDMA. The street name for that is ecstasy. That's correct. On the basis of the success of that phase two trial and other phase two trials, FDA has granted permission for a phase three clinical trial, which I believe you reported on recently. That's just getting underway here in Boulder and at 11 other sites worldwide. Also, right now in your office, you do an off-label treatment using a sort of anesthesia. So the drug is called ketamine. It's a new trick for an old drug. This is an anesthetic developed in the 1960s. It was found about 15 years ago to have dramatic effects on treatment-resistant depression. Are you finding that it has some good effect or bad effect? Ketamine certainly has robust benefits for treatment-resistant depression for most people, but there's a problem that we're encountering with ketamine of how do we make the effects last. And so in my clinic, we're using psychotherapy in conjunction with ketamine in order to try to get at deeper psychological issues that may be underlying the chronic depression. So rather than take this drug every day and call us if you have extra problems in about three months, this is use this drug during therapy to see if we can do some healing. That's correct. When is your conference? October 19th through 21st in Boulder, Colorado. Who can come? This is a conference for any kind of practitioner. It's aimed at primarily prescribers, but certainly we are very excited to have nurse practitioners, physician's assistants, acupuncturists, physical therapists, psychologists, anyone who provides care to people with psychiatric symptoms. You have some speakers talking about medications, drugs, plants that are illegal in the United States. Is there any problem with talking about these at a professional conference? I don't think so. I think it's important for providers to recognize what's out there and what kind of research is happening. Certainly, none of us would want to do anything illegal or put any patients in harm's way. But we are seeing significant research in these areas. And Michael Pollan has been talking about that, of course, recently. And, you know, we have too many people who are suffering for too long with the currently approved treatments. So I think we need to look outside of the box. And is the box ready to open? Colorado is a leader in uh, pushing the envelope. It's a great place for us to be working on new cutting-edge treatments. Time will tell if the box is ready to open. But I think we need more people working to open the box together. That was Will Vanderveer talking about the upcoming Integrative Psychiatry Institute conference taking place at the Boulder Marriott October 19th through 21st. So while it does look like a big change is up ahead for the legal use of psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy, right now there is plenty of... mm, shall we say, illegal experimentation uh, with these drugs. And without 
trained therapists nearby to help someone who ends up on a bad trip. So today, in addition to the Michael Pollan book, How to Change Your Mind, we have a second book to offer for people who pledge their support to KGNU. That book is The Manual of Psychedelic Support. Uh, The subtitle is A Practical Guide to Establishing and Facilitating Care Services of Music Festivals and Other Events. You might call it a a harm reduction resource aimed at people who end up having a bad trip while using psychedelics, for instance, at music festivals. Well, that's right. That's one purpose of this book, and it's a great offering here on our science show, Joel Parker. It may not sound (laughs) like a science book to begin with, but it reads something like a very well-illustrated and psychedelically illustrated manual for EMTs is kind of how it reads. It is, and looking through it, it gives like a, a list of what things to bring to a music festival if you're going to be a care provider. Well, you know, since we're talking about what things to bring, what things to bring to your radio right now are your telephone so that you can call 303-449-4885 and pledge your support to KGNU to support shows like How on Earth the Science Show and also to get one of these limited copies of these very cool books, How to Change Your Mind by Micah Pollan and also this Manual for Psychedelic Support, uh, which is really a gorgeous book provided to us by the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, maps.org. This is such a rich field of new study that's happening here in science, of all things. But, Joel, I can't help it, even though this is an important (laughs) topic. I want you to give a shout-out to some of the other things that happen on the science show. Uh, Well, I personally, I have a bias to the science (laughs) show, but I really love everything I see here on KGNU. Um, We cover everything from oceans to climate change to astrophysics we go from the very small to the universally large and uh, boulder is a great place for it because boulder i think has one of the highest densities of scientists and we have so much to pull from here as well as interviewing people from around the world and Joel, as a shout out to you, in your day job, after you're done here, I think you're going to go launch a planetary rocket or something like that? I, I'm not personally pressing the button to launch, but yeah, I, I, that's one of the great things. I get to also work in spacey stuff. It's not psychedelic space, but it's going out and going fly by planets and observing Pluto and what's out there. There you are wearing your Rosetta mission shirt, which uh, looks very, you know, it looks kind of 1960s retro, (laughs) but then it has the Rosetta mission um, satellite that went, the spacecraft that went out. Rosetta was a mission I worked on that landed on a comet. And uh, just think about that, landing on a comet. Far out. (laughs) Far out. Speaking of far out, and speaking of Michael Pollan, uh, We will go back to the interview with Michael Pollan about his book, How to Change Your Mind, What the New Science of Psychedelics Teaches Us About Consciousness, Dying, Addiction, Depression, and Transcendence. Uh, We have a few copies available left as a thank you gift for listeners who call 303-449-4885 to pledge their support at KGNU, or you can still pledge online at KGNU.org. Up next, Michael Pollan talks more about psilocybin. 
Yes, that's a word that I'm impressed that you can pronounce so readily. Psilobion <laughs> is the scientific name for magic mushrooms. In this next segment, Pollen will talk in greater detail about how a small amount of psychedelic and a very large dose of psychotherapy is showing great promise in treating addiction and mood disorders. Pollen calls it psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy, and it's getting more and more approval by the FDA for helping people with depression, including depression in people with terminal cancer. People who had cancer diagnoses and were struggling with depression and anxiety, 80% of those in a trial at uh, Johns Hopkins had uh, statistically significant reductions in standard measures of depression and anxiety lasting at least six months. So that's a dramatic effect. That's much better than we can do on things like SSRI antidepressants. And it was a, a really striking treatment size effect. And as a result, it looks like the FDA is going to approve a much larger study using psilocybin to treat depression in the general population, which is very exciting because we don't have a lot of tools. You know, the Prozac and Paxil and that class of drugs, their effectiveness wears off after a while. And their effectiveness was never that great. It only was a few points better than a placebo. Also, people don't like being on those drugs. They have side effects, and they're hard to get off of. And you compare that, if this treatment does pan out, with a treatment you just do once. You don't take psychedelics regularly. You have this big experience, and when it works, it kind of resets your brain. There's that other thing that we might want to keep bringing up, which is that it's not just take this drug home with you and take no. this pill. It's it's take this with a huge amount of support. Yes, and the support can be a few hours, a few days before extensively. It can be follow-up to kind of process what your experience has been. It's, it's fairly intensive on the clinical side of working with a person. Yes, and I, I'm glad you brought that up, Shelley. I mean, basically, this is not simply drug therapy. This isn't psychopharmacology. This is psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy. So so it works as a package. What is the active agent in driving this change in people is the experience they're having, not just the chemical. And the experience is what is sometimes called a mystical experience. It is an experience of achieving a new perspective on life and reality that puts everything in a new light. It also involves the experience of your ego dissolving. You lose your sense of self and find yourself reconnecting with other things around you, whether it's people, and some people experience this incredible tidal wave of love, or it's, it's connecting to your idea of the divine or to the universe. And that reconnection appears to be the really important therapeutic agent, because if you think about it, Addiction, depression, obsession, these are very isolating illnesses. They trap us in our own minds, and we, we ruminate, and all we can think about is ourself or, or our next drink or next cigarette. And so to reconnect with something larger than ourselves and diminish that sense of ego turns out to be very therapeutic. And you think that this has been happening among humans since before they were officially humans? Well, we don't know how far back it goes. I mean, there is some evidence that primates, you know, ingest 
psilocybin. We don't know why or what kind of experience they're having. Dogs seem to like psilocybin also. But human cultures have been using psychedelics for thousands of years, sometimes for healing, sometimes as part of religious rituals. There were psilocybin cults in Central America and Mexico when the Spanish got here. The Spanish were really terrified of the whole idea and that it was paganistic and they crushed the mushroom cults because they, they it was uh, the mushrooms. Yes. Well, there were there were these mushroom stones that were part of the worship, and they destroyed those, and they forced the whole worship of mushrooms underground. And the reason was that this was a sacrament that the indigenous peoples were using. They called it flesh of the gods, which is exactly what the Catholic sacrament is too, right? The bread and blood of Christ. But in some ways, the indigenous sacrament was superior because you actually could experience God directly on that um, sacrament. And whereas in the Catholic Church, you needed faith to imagine that that was the the body and blood of Christ. So it was very threatening to the Church, and so the, the Church suppressed these mushroom cults, and they went underground for 500 years. Well, Micah Pollan, you talk about that in the United States, too, that there was real research happening on the therapeutic and potential benefits of these psychedelic compounds in the 50s and in the early 60s, and then what was it? Do you blame more Timothy Leary or do you blame the Vietnam War or what do you blame? You know, Timothy Leary is an important figure in this history, but I think he gets a little too much credit and a little too much blame. He was a psychology professor at Harvard who was studying psilocybin, and he got so exuberant about the potential of both psilocybin and LSD to change society that he went from an interest in treating individuals to treating the whole society, basically saying everybody should take these drugs, turn on, tune in, drop out. This was very threatening to the powers that be. I mean, he he was saying things like, kids who take LSD won't fight your wars or join your corporations. And it was true. So there was a backlash. And what had been a very lively, fertile period of research through the 50s and into the 60s gradually comes to a halt. First, the drugs are made illegal, beginning in the late 60s, but completely in 1970. And it becomes very controversial to study them. But one of the big surprises to me is that this 60s image of psychedelics that is, in, you know, just in printed on our minds is such a limited case of what really was going on. There was a lot of very good research going on in the 50s and a lot of excitement that this was a psychiatric wonder drug, LSD and psilocybin, and that it was an unprecedented situation where you had a promising line of scientific inquiry that was stopped. That hardly ever happens. And we had a 30-year hiatus, and it's only been in the last 15, 20 years that the research has resumed. That's been an interesting 30 years because it's been dominated by the other kind of drug therapy, which is take these drugs, take them home, use them forever. Every day. And every Every now and then come back and check in with us. But you've got to take these drugs the rest of your life and forget about the therapy, forget about the context. It's what a contrast between two different systems. Well, you know, what's interesting about psychedelic therapy is, as some psychiatrists will tell you, psychotherapy went from being brainless, and it was all talk therapy and psychoanalysis till the, you know, really the, the 80s. And then when we discovered these antidepressants, it, it became mindless, and all it was about was drugging the brain. And, you know, the brain and the mind are closely linked, and you can't treat them separately. Um, I think that's really what we've learned over the last several decades. 
And psychedelic therapy represents a totally different model or paradigm where you you address both the mind and the brain. This is a chemical that, that, that affects the brain, but it does it by creating an experience in the mind. And that experience is what can be very therapeutic. It doesn't work for everybody. It's important to know. And we're not done studying it. We still have to complete the FDA drug approval process. We have some very promising data, but there still are larger trials with um, larger populations that need to happen. And they will happen. It looks like the money has been raised. The FDA is supportive. And within the next year or so, we should have a whole other series of trials going on all around the country. And I believe in Boulder, too. And the sites have not been officially selected, but where people will be testing psilocybin for depression. You heard it here. FDA-approved trials of psychedelics-assisted psychotherapy for depression are likely to begin nationwide, including in Boulder. We've been speaking with Michael Pollan, talking about his new blockbuster bestseller, How to Change Your Mind, What the New Science of Psychedelics Teaches Us About Consciousness, Dying Addiction, Depression, and Transcendence. So if you didn't know already, you are listening to KGNU, Boulder, Denver, and Fort Collins. Thank you very much, Shelley, for your contributions here to How on Earth. And thank you, Joel Parker, as a volunteer here. And also, thank you for being an astrophysicist. And thanks to Beth Bennett, who was the producer of our show. 